I was really frustrated and just really down. And I said to my boyfriend, I said, you know, don't talk to me about acting anymore. Like I'm, I'm good. And he's like, well, what do you mean? Like, this has been your lifelong passion. And I said, yeah, maybe it's not meant for me because I'm just not getting anywhere. And I said, I'm done. I remember going to bed crying that night. And I just like, I said this prayer and I said, God, universe, <laughs> if you want this for me, I need a sign. And the next day I had an audition. Didn't think anything of it because I've been to so many auditions, so mm-hmm. many. You don't hear back. So you just kind of learn to just forget about them. Hi, and welcome back to Launch Your Journey, the podcast that shares stories of people from across the world who found some kind of fulfillment within their lives. On this episode, I'm excited to be talking to Natasha Kwaja McGowan, a Pakistani-American slash Canadian girl who moved to LA almost a decade ago to pursue her dreams. During her time in LA, she created a social media presence through which she helps people find their purpose and shares her own journey along the way. Thank you so much, Natasha, for talking to me today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm just such a privilege. Yeah, it's amazing that I get to talk to people like you on my podcast. So I want to start off by actually taking a quote from your blog. And I'd love for you to, you know, talk to me a little bit about that. You say, one thing I know for sure is that each and every single one of us was put on this earth to be free and to live up to the potential of greatness that exists all inside, inside all of us. Yeah, um, I truly do believe that. I feel like sometimes society or culture or family has a way of trying to convince us that we have to live inside boxes. And I know that I've experienced that in my 32 years on this earth. We see other people achieve all these great things, whether entertainers, artists, um, athletes, and we look to them and we think that they've reached this, you know, esoteric state that the rest of us aren't capable of achieving. And I've just always firmly believed that whatever you see someone else do, you're also capable of doing it so long as you're willing to work hard, believe in yourself and make the proper sacrifices. Yeah, that's amazing. And I think you've really leveraged that um, to help you throughout your life. Can you talk to me a little bit about how just knowing that has pushed you um, to like achieve more in your life? Yeah, so it actually did start with um, my older brother, who had a big hand in raising me. He was always just so positive and such a great impactful force in my life. And he would always tell me, you know, you're, you're great. You can do anything, whatever it is that you want to do. He would always support me. So whereas I might've been getting some, you know, pushback from my parents or culture, I had this older sibling who there was an eight year age difference between us. He would just always tell me whatever you want to do, you can do it, but you got to work really hard. You got to outwork the next person. And that's, what's going to set you apart. And Knowing that I had this support system from when I was, we became really close when I was probably in in my early teens, because before that, you know, he was kind of just doing his own thing and living his life. And then we became super close, I think at a very pivotal moment in my life. And knowing that I had this support system and just constantly being reminded, even when I'm at an age where, you know, I'm in high school and 
you know, my fellow peers are just starting to date or whatever. And, you know, we as women, we deal, especially women of color, with self-esteem issues. So even down to something like I'd come home and I'd not feel like I was pretty because that's something you might be worried about at 14, you know, 15, he would always tell me, you know, you are beautiful, you know, you have an amazing heart, strengthen your mind and just continue to push forward and you can have anything in this life that you want. That's amazing. It's amazing that you had such a nice support system. And it's funny because actually my siblings and I were also eight years apart. So Are you? yeah. Yeah. I think it's a good thing in a way because they can then we can learn from their experiences because they've already gone out, experienced the world. And I know like I I'm hard headed, so I do have to learn things on my own. Whereas like my siblings would tell me, like, no, don't do this. It's not gonna be good. And I wouldn't listen, but at the same time, I could still draw from their experiences and you know, try to make my own path. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, I'm like the eldest one, so I definitely like find myself in like that coaching position a lot of the time. Oh, oh that's awesome. Do you have uh, sisters or brothers? Or I have one sister and then one brother. Oh, okay. Oh, you guys got a little yeah. bit of you got a little bit of everything. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Family. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting because I think you talked about not having like the most supportive maybe parents or you know culture even. But you at the same time, you had a supportive brother and you had some sort of support system that you knew you could rely on, which I think is really important. Um, talk to me about like the pressures that maybe you faced from your culture, or your parents when you were younger. So, you know, I got to say, because I was having this conversation with somebody recently, because um, if you're not South Asian, you may not know exactly how our culture is. Mm-hmm. And so you might have your own preconceived notions. So while my parents were cultured, don't get me wrong, you know, and, and religious, they still gave me a, like the freedom to do certain things that I could honestly say I saw other women my age didn't have that were from the same background. So I always try to give them credit in that way and to not make it seem like, you know, it was like some type of dictatorship Mm -hmm. because (laughs) it wasn't completely that. Mm -hmm. However, um, where we did kind of butt heads was I've always been very outspoken. I think I was just kind of born that way. So I was taught really early on from, you know, um, uncles and aunts, like, you know, you're, you're not allowed to speak out in the way you do. And yet, and still I kind of did (laughs) because it was just my personality. Um, and then when I was around five or six, I fell in love with acting. I had auditioned for a school play and I was a very insecure child. I was so scared of my own shadow, but then I found something that I was actually good at and it made me feel really good about myself. So I was super young when I realized that this is what I wanted to do. And while my parents were like, okay, cool, you can do it if you're doing plays in school, it started to kind of be a little challenging as I got older and I kept saying, oh no, this is what I'm going to do for a career. So they were very much, um, they tried to show up as best as they could, but then there was a lot of, no, you can't do this. And then there was also eventually pressures of, you know, getting married because we're expected to be married by a certain age. And I had an older sibling who followed that path and did get married um, early on in life. And you know, kind of went along with a marriage that was set up within family. So I was constantly just trying to rebel because 
I knew I had this thing that I was put here to do and I just had to do it. And I think the breaking point might've been, I was working a corporate job that I had got a few days after graduating high school. So of course it was considered a big deal in society and, you know, in the culture, because it was something for my parents to be proud of. Mm -hmm. And I believe about a year, maybe two years into the job, I just wasn't happy. I was sitting in a cubicle and I had all these quotes up on my wall of people that I looked up to and admired. And they were always speak on greatness and, and walking in your purpose. And I just knew one day after reading the book, The Alchemist, I don't know if you've read that book. Have you have you had a chance to read it? No, I actually haven't. Okay, you have you have to read this book. I always tell everybody. I, so I read this book and I finished it in two days. And I just knew by the end of the book that I had to go. And I gave my resignation letter. And, and I think that was the start of kind of a lot of the um, disconnect, like the major disconnect when it came to culture and me and family and me, because I was unmarried and I here I was saying I'm moving out. And that was something that's really frowned upon in our culture in a lot of homes. And, you know, it was, it was pretty bad. I was like, no, I'm going to be an actress. And it's like, what? And I mean, now that I'm older, I can say this, I can understand their fears and their concerns. I don't have kids yet, but I can understand that they didn't want me to have to struggle, especially being that, you know, they were immigrants in this country and they know what it is to struggle. Mm-hmm. However, um, I think that's that was the beginning of a lot of the <laughs> major conflict and almost ostracization that came with me wanting to do things my way. Mm-hmm. And, and you talk about how you knew you wanted to do something else. Um, and you knew like almost that your path was different. When did you have this realization? Because you were so young. So it's going to sound crazy. It really is. But I don't know why, but ever since I was in elementary school, I just kind of always felt like I was supposed to be doing something different than what I was basically being told to do. And I don't know if it was just because I had older siblings, so I had to like I kind of matured faster. I don't know if it's because I was such a, a bookworm. So I was constantly reading about these wonderful, beautiful places in the world and the places that life could take us so long as we were unafraid to answer the call. And I, I have like bunny ears quotations when I say answer the call, but mm-hmm. more so I think that just means follow your heart. And I think it's kind of stemmed from that, to be honest with you. I just could see other people, you know, on our TV screen, or you'd read about them in books and you'd go, wow, they've, they've done these amazing things with their life. So I, I want to do the same thing. No, I I definitely get what you're coming from. But it's crazy that, you know, I think some people, they have that sort of realization, but it never really sparks into reality. And it sort of just remains like an idea in their head. And then it sort of goes away. But it's amazing that you sort of ran with the idea. Yeah, and I I completely understand how it can be hard. Because um, I think like we were talking about earlier, society has a way of trying to tell us who we're supposed to be and what box we're supposed to be in, Um, especially as, you know, females. And like I said, females of color, there's expectations that come from our culture. There's expectations that come from within our immediate family. And it can be so hard to push all of those expectations aside. And this is actually one of the most common conversations I have with people on social media when they DM me to talk to me about different things and different parts of their journey is 
being able to brush off all those layers that we've allowed ourselves, our true selves to be buried underneath and to really get back in touch with who we are authentically at the core of us so that we can rise and and become what it is that I feel we're put here to be. Yeah, it's really amazing what you're talking about here. I feel like there's so much, you know, value in what you're saying. Um, Because society, it really seems like it creates so many boxes for us. And it's like you have to fit into exactly one of these. But like you said, um, just like sort of following your heart can help you navigate that. Right. And it, it's not, it's not always an easy journey. I don't, I just, I think at my age, I've learned it's not supposed to be because if everything was smooth sailing all the time, we'd never grow as individuals and we'd never learn just how strong we truly are, which is another thing. Like I, I just know as human beings, we are just resilient and strong and we are unbreakable. It's just that sometimes we need to be reminded of that. Yeah. So now you're moving to LA and you're pursuing acting, right? What do you do after this? Like, obviously acting is not like a stable career or anything. And I'm sure like, you know, making ends meet was tough at this point. It was really hard. When I first left home, I only had $200 in my pocket and a bus ticket because, um, I thought I was going to take my car, but my parents actually hid my car because <laughs> they thought it me from leaving and it didn't. So it kind of gives you an idea of just how hard headed and stubborn I am. Um, so they hit my car and I got on a Greyhound bus with only $200 in my pocket. And I actually first moved to Chicago, which is where I originally grew up um, when we were really little. Mm-hmm. And there I was doing auditions. I was working at a movie store. They had those back then. <laughs> it was like a knock. <laughs> blockbuster. Um, I was doing that. And then fast forward a few years later, I'm in LA and I've held as many as three jobs at one time, because like you said, it's not always stable. It's not always easy. So I've done everything from be a nanny to a pizza delivery girl to work at a dog daycare. Actually, just a couple of years ago, um, when I, right before I met my now husband, I was working at a cafe during the day waitressing I would uh, then go to Domino's Pizza and do deliveries. And then a few hours later, I'd go work at this dog daycare from midnight to 8 a.m. So I don't even know how I'm still standing because I was so tired. That's amazing. It's hard to even understand that you did that. I don't even know how there was enough time in the day. Like, I'm not even joking because I was... I did. And the truth is, I will, I always want to be honest. I think I started to get burned out because um, I had just started seeing my now husband at the time, uh, he was my boyfriend and we just started seeing each other and he started pointing out to me. He's like, you know, I think you need to like quit one of these jobs because I think you're tired and this and that. And I was like, no, 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 I'm good. I'm good. Like I, I got mm-hmm. this. It's just always been me because I feel like as a child of immigrants, as a woman of color, I just always feel like we've been needing to prove even more than our, you know, than our peers and stuff. So I was just always like, no, no, no just load more work on. I got this. And burnout can be a real thing. I think I probably did decrease my hours at the right time as I started to learn to manage my finances better. Um, But it was not easy. And if you've ever been to LA, it is just so expensive here. Everything is just so expensive. But I've always had my own place and I had to take care of me and my dog. So it was just basically like I I didn't see anything as an obstacle. I just saw it as, okay, here's this task. I need to get this done. And we're just going to keep moving. 
Like that's just my mentality. Like every day you just got to put one foot in front of the other and find a way to keep moving. Yeah, I think that's such an important mindset to have, especially when you're in a situation like you had, um, you know, there was nothing that was pushing you to do this in terms of like external forces, like no parents or, you know, um, but you yourself were just motivated to pursue your dream. So did you end up getting an acting role? I did actually booked my first, I would say, um, I want to say big, others might call it small, but I don't count <laughs> my blessings or measure them in the sense of small or big. So back in 2018, I actually did star, um, star in a show called Kidding with Jim Carrey. And it was my first role and I'd been here for a very long time. So it was the first thing that I booked. I, you know, I did stuff here and there that was like short films and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the greatest experiences of my life. I remember calling my mom and she was the first person I called. Uh, my boyfriend was next to me. So he already knew he got out of the car and we, there's footage somewhere of me like celebrating this because <laughs> I might, my agent called me, my agent's in Toronto. She called me, she told me the good news. And it was just the way she delivered the news. It was just um, such a blessing because, and then I'll go back to what I was just saying. Mm -hmm. There were times I can't even lie. You do get hard on yourself because you've been here for so long and things don't seem to be going the way you thought they would. And just the night before my audition for Kidding, I was really frustrated and just really down. And I said to my boyfriend, I said, you know, don't talk to me about acting anymore. Like I'm, I'm good. And he's like, well, what do you mean? Like, this has been your lifelong passion. And I said, yeah, maybe it's not meant for me because I'm just not getting anywhere. And I said, I'm done. I remember going to bed crying that night. And I just like, I said this prayer and I said, God universe, <laughs> if you want this for me, I need a sign. And the next day I had an audition. Didn't think anything of it. Cause I've been to so many auditions, so mm -hmm. many, you don't hear back. So you just kind of learn to just forget about them. And, um, I ended up booking this within like a few weeks after auditioning. And I knew that was my sign that I had asked for that I needed to keep going. So I remember calling my mom first cause I broke down crying. Cause it's so funny. Like no matter how old we get, I think somewhere deep down, we still want our parents to say that they're proud of us. <laughs> and so I remember her being the first person and her, and my dad thought I had like gone crazy. Cause I was just like screaming on the phone. I said, I'm going to be on a show with Jim Carrey. Can you believe this? And I knew it was like, to me, it was a big deal because they know who Jim Carrey is. So that's why it's a big deal. Cause right. they're fucking funny. And like my nanny, my grandma in Pakistan knows who Jim Carrey is. So that's right. <laughs> for me but yeah so that was what I, I worked on and I was in a couple of episodes I had one line but I will never ever diminish that experience or say that it was small in any way because that was one of the greatest experiences and it was a sign that I asked for yeah that's such a crazy experience I feel like you just took me on that like sort of journey with you that's amazing and you know congrats on that role um, and it's crazy how the universe works, right? Like you ask for a sign and then you book that role. So I'm are telling you, you, like, it's crazy. I'm still kind of like, sometimes when yeah. like I'm kind of in shock, you know what I mean? Cause I, I, I hadn't thought about that story in a minute. So now sharing it with you, I went, I'm smiling right now. Cause I'm just thinking when you do ask, you know, the saying like, ask you shall receive, I, right, I think right. put it out there, things will come back, but I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you're good. It's like, it's like one of those crazy, like miracle experiences almost. And it's yeah. amazing that you shared it with me right now. Yeah. 
you know, are you still, you're still pursuing acting, right? I am. I'm actually working on my own script right now. So I'm working on a series that's actually really important to me. It's a story that I really wanted to tell in terms of, you know, they say we there's not enough representation. We don't see mm-hmm. enough people that look like us. Um, it's actually loosely based on my life about a, a Pakistani girl who wants to pursue acting. And it deals with the different layers and dynamics of her home and her family and the various things that each of them are dealing with individually and how it comes full circle on her and her dreams and what she's trying to pursue. So that's what I'm currently working on. The acting world kind of shut down early this year with COVID. So mm-hmm. we weren't really auditioning as much, but um, that's a passion project of mine that I'm writing right now with a friend and can't wait to shoot and just kind of put it out there. And honestly, the purpose of that isn't even so much for me to have something to act in. I think a part of my journey has always been, I've always told myself that if I can do it, then I can show other little brown girls and boys that they can do it too. If I keep going and if I don't give up, maybe one day there'll be like another, you know, little Natasha, like I was sitting in my mom's basement watching award shows and just looking up at these screens thinking, you know, one day I could see myself there. And honestly, that's been a very big driving factor for me because I just think sometimes when we have dreams, if they're even bigger than us and they can include others in some way, then it makes them even more impactful and meaningful. Yeah, 100%. You know, I'm almost like cheering up right now because that's exactly what you're doing. And I really like see myself in you sometimes, you know, when you talk about like, you know, you're that little brown girl and just like inspiring other children um, that look like you and that are put in these boxes, but to inspire them to just like step out and realize that they can really achieve anything. It's so important. And it, I, I really, really, truly understand why people would say representation matters now. I get it, mm-hmm. you know, because we didn't really see people that look like us growing up. And I found ways to just, I, <laughs> I would like watch Jennifer Lopez and I'd be like, oh, we kind of look similar. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm going to run with it. I don't sing and dance, but I'm going to run with this, <laughs> you know? So I would just kind of draw. I mean, I grew up like a big Whitney Houston fan. No, I don't look like her, but you know, she's doing the damn thing. So I'm going to do it too. <laughs> so, you know, you try to find places where you can. So I just, I can only imagine. I'm so grateful to see how the world's changing for the mm-hmm. better. And we are seeing more people that are looking like us showing up because it is important. And I think a part of it is not giving up on your journey because you know what it'll mean for other people as well one day. Yeah, 100%. It's because, you know, just seeing people like you um, and seeing people, you know, um, brown representation is just so inspiring for other young people. And it's amazing that we're seeing more of that, you know, with your film and everything you're doing as well. Oh, thank you. I can't wait to share that with everybody. It's just, it's going to mean so much to me um, to just put that out there. Um, I think also, and I just wanted to add, I think it's also imperative because I think not only are we told by society, we can't do things. We are then told in our culture as well. um, You know, as a woman, no, you're expected to behave in this way. And I think that's also so important for me to share with people one day that you aren't a bad like brown girl (laughs) because you want to pursue things you know what I mean because there's that whole stigma that comes with it like I think it's so important to me that you know you get told like oh well you're not brown enough if you're acting like this or you know you're a sellout and those kind of things so I think it's very important especially for within our culture because the new generation that's coming up 
we, we got to evolve. I think it's just so important. Definitely. I was talking to um, my friend actually on the podcast about being an underdog. And Mm -hmm. I was like, that's exactly it. You know, like as little brown girls, we truly feel like underdogs because of like the limitations and everything that society like puts on us. And sometimes even our own families that like for some of us, it means that we rebel and it means that we push ourselves to like achieve even more. Oh, I 100% agree with you. And I know people could see that as a bad thing. I try to just be an optimistic person. And I try to see that as something to use to my benefit. Right. Um, you know, where going back to like, when I was working three jobs, it was because, you know, I would talk to my dad, and he'd always say like, Beta, you can come home. He'd always tell me to come home, because of course, he wants his daughter home. Uh-huh. And I would just say like, no, because I was like, I have I have something to prove in my head, you know what I mean? Right. And at first, it was a big part of proving stuff to other people. But then when it became about proving something to myself, I saw how I was able to accomplish even more in my everyday life. Because it was like, no, I need to this is for me first and foremost, because I can't let myself down. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. that's, it's exactly what you said. There's just these like higher expectations and, you know, these accomplishments that we aspire to, to achieve. Definitely. If you could sort of go back, I I think it's now 10 years ago, um, when you moved to LA, you know, and you only had $200 in your pocket or maybe more at that point, but what advice would you give yourself? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, and it almost brought tears to my eyes, but I'm not going to cry. <laughs> I'm going to say this with a straight face. I think what I would tell my 20, 21 year old self would be look, things are going to get hard. There's going to be times where you feel alone or misunderstood, but just know that if you keep going, everything is going to be okay. And you're going to get you're going to get tenfold what it is that you set out on this journey to achieve. That's amazing. Yeah. And I think that sort of assurance and belief is so important, especially when you're just starting out. Right. Cause that's when yeah. you doubt yourself the most and that's when you're the most scared. Honestly, I have to say, cause I always tell people this, the, the word I hear often when people are talking to me, they're like, you're so brave. You're so courageous mm-hmm. because I guess, it's rare that, you know, brown girls do the things that I guess I've done. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I always turn around and tell them, I was like, I have to be honest with you. I was so scared so many times. It wasn't that I didn't feel the fear. It's that I just went forward regardless of it. And some days I didn't know, like, I didn't have money to pay my rent. I've had eviction notices on the door. I didn't even have money to eat sometimes. Like I, I had to just figure it out. And I had to tell myself though, okay, it's going to be okay. So it's hasn't been an easy journey by any means. But at the same time, if we just, you know, continue to stay strong in our purpose, I think that we can find ways to just keep breaking down these walls and these different obstacles that are placed in front of us. Yeah, that's so important, you know, staying strong in your purpose, because that's probably what helped you get through all this time, you know, when you weren't necessarily seeing material success but it's hard obviously being um in LA for so long and struggling so much and maybe not finding a role for like a few years what is you know the way that people can really stay strong in their purpose I think the way you stay strong in your purpose is by first and foremost defining it so what what do you believe you're here to achieve what do you think 
let's break it down into chapters. Let's say our lives and are come in different chapters. So what is this chapter? What is this supposed to mean? What are you, you know, defining the purpose for when it comes to this chapter of your life? So I think first and foremost is knowing and then writing it out. And I think I look back on some different journal entries I have and I remember, okay, this is why you began in the first place. So when the material stuff isn't here, is your why strong enough to keep you going? And I've learned in the 10 years that I've been here that I had to learn to fall in love with the process because if I keep just chasing an end goal, I'm just going to keep driving myself crazy. You know what I mean? And I have to Mm -hmm. learn that each day is an opportunity to lay another brick and then another brick and then another And you are building the foundation on which something will one day stand. And if it is something that you are chasing that is just bigger than yourself, greater than, you know, even what you could have imagined, then it's going to take time and it's not going to happen overnight. And somebody might say, well, 10 years is not overnight. I honestly feel like I'm just beginning. Yeah, but for you to be able to say that, that's amazing because that means you have such a confidence. That means you really trust yourself um, and you're really strong, strong on your purpose because once you start to do that, I think time and like societal uh, norms almost don't affect you at that point, right? They don't. And it's funny you say that because I don't know if you've had a chance to look at my social media or um, even I guess you have had a chance to read over some of the blog posts. Yeah, where, I have um, stalked you a little bit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I feel like when people say I stalked you, I'm like, oh, no, that's normal. It's 2020. What do you mean? Um, I don't know if you've had a chance to maybe get to the part where even so I just I just got married. I've been married. It hasn't even been a month yet. And so mm-hmm. I didn't have the support of my family, per se, um, my, my parents, to be specific. And that's been challenging. Um, that's something that I do receive a lot of um I guess, DMs on from other women who are in similar Mm -hmm. boats as me. And it's hard because, you know, I was expected to grow up and marry somebody who was from the same cultural and religious background as me. And I think (laughs) when people ask me, I'm like, I think it all started with the acting when I said, oh, no, I'm going to do that, even though you guys said I couldn't. I think that was just the starting point of, oh, no, I'm also going to marry who I want and you can't stop me. So it I'm sorry, you got to, can you repeat the question? Because I think it just went off on like a little tangent. (laughs) Oh my God. I think I like forgot the question as well. (laughs) Okay. I think, I hope I answered it. I hope that was kind of like answering it. Yeah. I hope, you know, it's funny. Yeah. I actually was going to ask you about your relationship because I did look at your Instagram and things like that. And Yeah. um, yeah, I saw that your family didn't maybe react as you wanted them to, but like, why do you still, you know, do it? And how do you stay sort of confident in yourself that this is the right move when maybe your family doesn't think so? So in my 10 years in LA, something that happened to me that was a very significant part of my chapter, specific chapter was um, I became really depressed and I had to find a way out of depression. And in order for me to do that, I had to learn to define happiness for me. So what does happiness look like to you? I asked myself. Um, what does happiness mean to you and how does it feel? And a lot of that meant removing things, people that no longer aligned with who it is that I aspire to become in this life. And it wasn't easy by any means. So when I did that, when I defined happiness for me, 
a lot of what I saw myself writing down was living life on my own terms. And living life on my own terms means that nobody else gets to tell me what healthy, happy love looks like. And it was so imperative for me to live this, what, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen. I always say this, maybe this one God-given life, I want to live it the best that I can. And when I met Sam, I just, I knew, I, I knew early on, I felt something in my gut, you know, that, oh, this is, this is the person that I'm supposed to be with. And um, there's actually a funny story about that too, kind of similar to the me praying for a sign before I booked that acting role was I had just got out of a very complicated situation um, where I'd been seeing somebody and it just wasn't really bringing out the best in either of us. And right after that ended, I remember sitting in my car and I, and I, I prayed again. And I said, I was basically just talking out loud and I said, you know, God and, and the universe, if you're listening, um, I don't want to have to deal with that kind of pain or toxicity again. So please let the next person, the next man that you bring into my life, I please let him be my husband. And I said, I promise I'm going to put my head down and I'm going to work really hard on myself and I'm going to continue to work towards my goals. And I met him not even three weeks later after I said that. And I didn't know it at first. I just was like, at work one day, we both worked together and, um, you know, we met and I just knew from our first conversation, oh, well, this could be a good friend at least. Cause I thought this person has all these great, amazing goals and life aspirations and they match up to what I'm trying to do with my life. Mm -hmm. So I could see this going somewhere. So it was early on a few months into us seeing each other that I reached out to my dad and I opened up to my dad about him and my dad was not happy. He was very honest with me and he said, you know, I'm not happy because... I don't even think he said because I think when you grow up in South Asian culture, you're just like, I don't need to explain to you. You already know how we raised you. Like mm -hmm. we expect this, this, and this from you, you know? So then we were seeing each other for a few years. And I remember reaching out to my mom and telling her, you know, I'm very serious about this guy. I, I We want to get married one day. And he hadn't proposed at that point, but I just felt strongly where I, I felt like I didn't want to live a double life anymore because I would talk to them. And then I had this life over here and I couldn't share all this good stuff going on with me and my relationship. And I just wanted to come clean because I also just felt like I was at an age where I'm like, I've been living on my own, paying my own bills, doing my thing for, for almost 10 years now. So I want to just be honest because that was when I felt like I wasn't living authentically. And that's very important to me to walk in your purpose, to live a truthful life and walk in your truths and own them. So it was after that conversation that my mom essentially disowned me and she was not able to accept that I um, wanted to be with somebody who is different than the way that we were. And um, I haven't spoken to her since, actually. I, I do have a, a relationship with my father. We talk here and there and we have, you know, lightheaded, fun conversations. Other than that, I, no one has said anything to me since I even got married. Um, there hasn't been any conversation had around it. Mm. Do you feel like lonely and isolated almost? Um, and how do you sort of deal with that? Or is it like not even, or are you not even phased by it? Um, there were moments, they, they're very few and far between because I'm so busy in my everyday life and consumed by my, my goals, mm -hmm. you know, that I, I don't really give it much space, but there were times, I'm not going to lie, where, you know, leading up to the, when we decided we wanted to get married, 
I wish I could have something that I'd seen in a Bollywood film, like, but I couldn't because mm-hmm. he was going to do that for me, you know? Right. I wish I could have had like all this beautiful, like traditional clothing and a week long celebration and people to celebrate me. And it did make me feel, you know, it was so funny. <laughs> I was watching all these Bollywood films leading up to us getting married on Netflix. And I didn't even realize until later why I was doing it. And these were all these films from my childhood. And I think it's because it made me somehow feel connected and less alone. So it was kind of crazy how your subconscious mind just automatically just goes into like autopilot for you and tries to help you through whatever it is that you may be dealing with. Um, And then to be honest with you, I don't feel it in the way a lot of, I've made a lot of great friends online that open up to me who are in similar boats. And when they come to me, I'm always very honest in the sense that I can't relate where I'm overwhelmed by it. And I think it's because I I learned to accept things for what they were a long time ago. I knew I couldn't change my mom. I knew I couldn't change the culture. And I knew I couldn't change anybody else. So as soon as I learned to accept things that I no longer had control over or never had control over to begin with, it made me relinquish this need to try and change anything in my life. And it allowed me to have some type of peace. And I think that's what it is. And it helps to have, I have the most amazing, loving, supportive husband. He never lets me feel like, I'm, I'm going without, or that I don't have a family. Mm, yeah, it's amazing, um, you know, that you have a husband like that, and also that how you found him, which is crazy again. Uh, yeah. From your experience of relationships and really finding someone um, like Sam, what's, in your opinion, like one of the most important parts of a long-lasting relationship? communication. (laughs) I can say that without hesitation, because we've overcome a lot of trials and tribulations in our relationship. And they were all probably surrounding communication. Mm -hmm. We've been in couples therapy with each other. We've, you know, worked really hard to make sure that we have a strong foundation. Mm -hmm. And it hasn't been easy. Um, I often say on my Instagram, it's easy to look at pretty pictures of people's relationships and think that, you know, they have something that you may not totally not the case. There's been so many things that we've, like I said, had to work on not only Mm -hmm. as a team, but as individuals. So the number one thing is communication and the number one, uh, sorry. The other thing I would say when you're single, know what you're looking for. I think it is so important to not pacify time just for the sake of having company because that's something I was not going to do before I met him and I made that very clear I've had I had guys Mm -hmm. ask me out I always tell this story it makes me laugh people thought I was such like I don't know I guess they thought I was stuck up for this but I remember this co-worker of mine we were cool with each other we used to always laugh and joke at work and he asked me out once and I said what what book are you currently reading? And he's like, what do you mean? What book am I reading? I said, well, I want to date somebody who reads because I read a lot. <laughs> and he looked at me and everybody kind of like teased me and called me crazy. And I said, but you see, those are little things that I was not going to, um, I was not going to not have. When I met Sam, literally the first day he was telling me about all these books he was reading and in my head, I was like, the light bulb went off. <laughs> and I was just thinking to myself like, oh, maybe this could be something, you know? Mm-hmm. But so that's why I say don't compromise. Now, we've I've had this conversation with so many women actually about there's, there's standards and then there's like unrealistic expectations. It's okay to have certain values and morals and things that you want in a partner. There's nothing wrong with that. Now, if you say something absurd, which to me, this is absurd, unless this is what you're bringing to the table, 
I've had female friends who will be like, no, I'm going to marry the most powerful man in Hollywood. And I'm like, okay, cool. So what are you bringing to the table where you think, I don't know, like Steven Spielberg is going to leave his wife <laughs> in a relationship with you, you know? So to me, unless you are like really powerful too, I think it's, you got to be honest about your, ex, like what it is that you look for, but don't, but don't pacify time just for the sake of pacifying time. I just, the right person is out there for everybody. I strongly believe that there's almost 8 billion people in this world. I find it hard to believe there isn't somebody that you would connect with um, on a mental, spiritual level. Yeah, it's amazing. I think it's so important, like you said, to stick to your values and know what you're looking for beforehand rather than just sort of judging someone um, just just based on how you feel at that moment or in that time. Because having that set values can help you like save so much time, I think, you know, rather than dating um you know, random people just for the sake of dating them, you know, really dating almost with a purpose like you've done with your whole life. A hundred percent. You said it perfectly because I think that is so imperative to getting the type of relationship that you may actually really want, you know, and I think it starts with knowing yourself because if you don't know who you are, how can you then attract the type of person that you want if you don't know what it is that you want to begin with? Definitely, definitely. Hey, Natasha, thank you so much for talking to me today. It's, I, I think this is literally one of the best conversations I've ever had on the podcast. So okay, I just got chills. Thank you for having me. <laughs> how much this means to me. And I'm so grateful to have connected with you. I think it's amazing what you're doing. And I hope you continue. And I wish you so much success. Thank you. That means a lot. Thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. If you like the podcast, I'd love if you rated it and left a review.